0: Hello everybody, this is Carol Huber-Sanik bringing you a new episode of The Nearness of You in honor of the Day of Infamy, Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. Thank you for listening. 75 years ago, 75 years ago, Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, bringing the United States into World War II. The attack, the magnitude of the attack, was carried out at dawn by Japanese fighter planes, launched from aircraft carriers. And it was a new form of naval warfare, and it shocked the world more than the world, it shocked the American public. Americans were told by their leaders of the day that this was an unprovoked surprise attack in the part of Japan. Shock quickly gave way to anger, and of course, then you have the desire for revenge. And the words Pearl Harbor are words that are embedded in the brains of those who served and are still alive, their families, and of course, history. You know, when you think back as to how this all came about, I mean, World War I had ended, you know, the war to end all wars. In 1925, everything was looking good. Nobody really thought we would be fighting in another war again. As a matter of fact, we tried to stay out of it. But unfortunately, there were things that we did in Indochina and in Asia that didn't sit well with Japan. Japan was angered by the failure of the Allied powers when we didn't agree to a clause on racial equality in the Treaty of Versailles that ended World War I. The Washington Naval Treaty, which was signed in 1922 and ratified the following year, limited the World War I victors, which included Japan, to the number of aircraft carriers and battleships they could construct In 1930, the London Naval Treaty attempted to prevent a growing naval arms race. Japan was convinced the treaties were designed to put a check on its own imperial ambitions, and eventually they renounced them. And relations between Japan and the U.S. deteriorated throughout the 1930s. So was it really a surprise that an attack of this magnitude would happen? You know, by July of 1941... All the actions that were going on ended up with Japan being denied access to about three-quarters of its overseas trade and 88% of its imported oil. They only had enough oil on their island to last about three years. And Japan's leaders decided the only option was to conquer more of the Southeast Asia area. But that would only work if, guess what? If American naval forces... Were knocked out. I read about a story told to John Barber in 1952 and published in, believe it or not, almost 40 years later, in a 1991 article titled, I Led the Attack on Pearl Harbor. Mitsuo Fuchida was a young naval pilot aboard the Agaji aircraft carrier on the morning of December 7, 1941. He survived the war. He became a Christian missionary. He traveled the world and he told his story. And you're never going to believe this, but he eventually settled in the United States, but he never became a citizen. In his words, By 7.30 a.m., we were over the northern tip of the island of Oahu. There was still no sign anyone knew we were in the air. At 7.49 a.m., I gave the signal for a surprise attack, but the signal was misinterpreted. At 7.55 a.m., the dive bombers tore in on Hickam Field, Ford Island, and Wheeler Field. Two minutes later, the torpedo plane zeroed in on a battleship in the harbor. At about 8 a.m., fighter planes strafed the air base, and then the level bombers began to drop their cargoes of death on the battleships. By the time the attack was over, three ships lying in anchor, the USS Arizona, the USS Oklahoma, and the USS Utah had been sunk. Seventeen more were heavily damaged, but they would return to service. 2,000 U.S. Navy personnel on board ships had been killed, and 200 Army and 100 Marines dead. By contrast, the Japanese lost 29 aircraft and four midget submarines for a total of 64 aviators and sailors killed. The Sunday morning attack shook America And one day later, Roosevelt made his most famous radio address. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a day which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Well, there's no doubt that the attack was very sudden. For the past 75 years, however, the question of whether it came as a total surprise has been debated. What did the U.S. know about the impending attack, and when did it know it? Post-war congressional investigations began immediately, and they felt that maybe errors in judgment and miscommunication between naval officers might have prevented it, but who knows? Who knows? As time went on, questions continued. Why had U.S. aircraft carriers, the top priority of the attacking Japanese forces, been ordered out of Pearl Harbor before the attack, thus escaping damage and allowing the U.S. to defeat the Imperial Japanese Navy at the Battle of Midway six months later? Who knows? Did, in fact, America's leaders, starting with Roosevelt, actually want some sort of attack by the Japanese to turn some isolationist sentiment in the United States into support for the war? And not necessarily against Japan, but against Germany? Again, who knows? And I'm not here to argue with anybody. I'm just sharing facts. I found them on Google. Yell at Google. In February 1942, against growing hysteria that Japanese would soon evade America's West Coast, with the help of Japanese Americans, President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, which approved the forced interment, of between 110,000 and 120,000 Japanese Americans. Some were eventually released from the camps if they agreed to serve in the military. The U.S. Army's 42nd Infantry Regiment, which was comprised almost entirely of Americans of Japanese ancestry, went on to serve mainly in Italy, southern France, and Germany, and actually became the most decorated unit in American history for its size. The internment camps would not be struck down as unconstitutional by the Supreme Court until late 1944, and it would not be until 1991 when President George H.W. Bush, who had been a naval fighter pilot in the Pacific during the war and had been shot down and was rescued in 1944, offered an official apology, saying, A monetary sum and words alone cannot restore lost years or erase painful memories. Neither can they fully convey our nation's resolve to rectify injustice and to uphold the rights of individuals. We can never fully right the wrongs of the past, but we can take a clear stand for justice and recognize that serious injustices were done to Japanese Americans during World War II. During the war, an intense propaganda campaign against Japan grew even more racist and hateful. Fighting itself grew even more bloody. And when the U.S. dropped atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August of 1945, most Americans were supportive, not only because they felt it ended the war, but also because the bombs avenged Pearl Harbor. When Barack Obama became the first sitting U.S. president to visit Hiroshima in May speculation in the japanese media immediately turned to whether japan would reciprocate by having prime minister shinzo a visit pearl harbor which would make him the first japanese leader to do so in august his wife aki made an unofficial visit to the uss arizona monument at pearl harbor where she offered flowers and prayer tokyo emphasized it was a personal visit you know there's so many theories and so many different postulations about what really happened. But all I can say is, although those who directly experienced the attack on that long ago Sunday morning, now number a mere handful, Pearl Harbor remains deeply embedded in our psyche, perhaps more legend than fact, now among the younger generations. But nevertheless, proving William Faulkner's famous saying, the past is never dead. It's not even past. Something to think about on this 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And as always, of course, I close with a letter home from my darling father to my darling mother. Written February 13th, 1945. My darling, well, here it is, another evening and another letter to the one I love most. I warmed some water this evening and I tried my best to take a sponge bath with two one-gallon cans and a helmet full of water. If I must say so myself, it made me feel mighty good. And then after I had shaved, I really felt like a million. Had a good chow this evening, but I just now had a snack over in one of the boys' tents. They had a lot of vegetables and they made. A stew, boy, did it taste good. And I was hungry. Then I played some cards, and now I'm finally writing this letter. Well, today we had another mail call, and I received two more letters from you, one from Chuck and a couple old Cleveland presses. The Cleveland Press was a newspaper of the day. Chuck wrote me to visit one of his buddies, but I left the States before I could do so. I got myself a regular GI haircut. Gosh, is it short. In fact, I think I'm practically bald. I have to wear a hat at all times because now I'll catch a cold if I don't. Received our weekly ration of cigarettes, candy, gum, cigars, and pipe tobacco, and it came early this week. Now I suppose it will be late next week, so when we'll receive over our next ration breakdown, I don't know. Darling, I'm going to close now, but I'll write more tomorrow. You are my sweetheart, and to you goes all my love, yours forever, Willie. I want to thank everybody for listening. I know that this is a very, very monumental anniversary, 75 years of Pearl Harbor. All the movies, all the stories, all the TV shows that we've ever seen. You know, depicting what happened that day never can truly depict the honest truth of what happened that day. To those of you who are listening, who have family members who lost their lives, who have family members who are still alive, who have veterans in your family, hug them tight. This was a terrible time. All war is terrible. But my focus, of course, is always on World War II. And if you want to reach out to me, With information, to be on a show or just to share, you can email me at carolynsanek at gmail.com. And I'll spell that for you. A N -N E -E K at gmail.com. I answer all my emails with pride and with love and respect. Feel free to reach me. And in the meantime, Let's remember, 75 years ago, tomorrow, at almost 8 o'clock in the morning, Hawaii time. Terrible thing happened. God bless our troops. God bless America. Bye now. I love bringing you these shows. I love reading my father's letters home. About 10 days ago, I received a letter from the War Department, and my father's records were destroyed in that fire. I was devastated. I cried. It was very difficult for me because I really wanted to know where he had been and what he had done, what he had seen. You know, I just wanted to know my dad better. So, yes. It was very hard, a heavy heart. But you know what? I still have the letters, and I still have an idea of where he was and where he's been and what he did. And I'm going to do some research because, you know, I talked about Google in this show. Google should be able to help me somehow. In the meantime, we're approaching the holidays, and I want to take this time to wish everybody peace. Thank you for listening.